Would you turn to John 15, please, this morning? John 15 and verse 1. John 15, 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you're clean, or purged, through the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified. How's the Father glorified? That you, is that us? You bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. How many think that we ought to be fruit minded? You know, it ought to be more important to us that we bear more fruit than that we have more money. That we bear more fruit than that we have a more important job title or promotion in the company or more cars or houses or stuff. It ought to be more important to us that we have what? More, what kind of fruits he talking about? Spiritual fruit. God fruit. We're going to get into this specifically today. Look at the uh, 16th verse. He says, you've not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And ordained you. What did he choose us for and ordain us to do? That you should go. Instead of sitting around doing nothing, got to go. I mean, the Great Commission starts out with what? (laughs) Go. Go. So it's certainly good to have a good way of going. Go and bring forth fruit that your fruit should remain. And that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Now, it's very clear that the Lord is fruit-minded and that he expects something of us. He's the vine. We're connected to him. The life that's in him flows in us. And if we're connected and that flow is full and free, there should be produced off the branch fruit, fruit that pleases him. He expects something of us. Many have uh, not embraced this concept. They think, well, you know, I got saved. I show up at church once in a while. What more do you want? Well, it's not me that wrote this. And actually the Lord expects quite a bit more than just saying I'm saved, going to church once in a while, telling somebody you're a Christian once in a while. He's looking for fruit and plenty of it. Which is not unreasonable. He has made such investment into us. Hasn't he? Oh my. He's invested. 
into us, his love, his grace, his help, his strength, his light, his truth, his power. He's healed us. He's met our needs. Is it too much to expect something out of us? We just sit around like a knot on a log. Waiting for the rapture. No. We're supposed to be about the Father's business. Aren't we? He chose us and ordained us to go ye. And get her done. Right? And produce some fruit. So if you're producing fruit already, that's good. But is he, is that the end of it? He says, okay, they're producing some now. No, what's he looking for? Help me out. He's expecting you to produce some more. And if you love him, you ought to be right there with him. Saying, yeah, Lord, show me how. Use me to accomplish more, to do more, to produce more. The Lord reminded me this week of the seasons when men are born and where they're born. We studied that in the book of Acts. Is set up by the Lord, determined by him, the boundaries and times. You know, no other generation has lived in a time of technology like ours that I can stand here and preach and people in China can hear the word right now. Right now. Over the internet. Live. No other generation has had that. No other generation can preach and jump in a plane and an hour or two be another side of the country and preach there. Well, why did the Lord let us be born now? Give us these opportunities and resources now. If we're not to do something with them. And to use them to produce more. Do you believe it or not? And the Lord's given every one of us tremendous opportunities to produce fruit. And the fruitless life, the barren life, is an unhappy life. You know, some people have the idea, well, oh, if I could just get a little money and I could retire so that I could do nothing. I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit around and do nothing. No, you don't want to do that. It is not what you're making it out to be. You do nothing long enough and you'll be fed up with yourself. You live for the fourth day in a row and you didn't get one thing done or for the fourth month in a row you hadn't accomplished one thing and you realize the world is not one bit better off because you woke up that morning. That is not a good life and a happy life that you got no sense of value, no sense of accomplishment. You are not put on the earth for that. For his pleasure, we are created and we are living branches connected to a living vine. And there are wonderful things in that vine and they can flow up in us and they can come through us and produce some good things in this life. And that's fruit. That's fruit that remains. Can you say glory to God? Go please to 2 Peter. 2 Peter the first chapter. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 1. Simon Peter a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. To them that have obtained like precious faith. With us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How are you going to have more grace 
and more peace in your life? Through more knowledge of God. And that's not just knowing about. It's experiential knowledge. Knowing him. Verse 3. According as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through, again, the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Now this is similar to our text, chapter, chapter 15 of John. This divine nature is in the vine and flows in us and through us. This divine nature. What kind of nature is in us? Divine. Divine. Something is in us that is not just mortal. You hear people say, I'm just a man. I'm just a poor, weak human being. And people talking like that, they're already making excuses for not accomplishing anything and for failure before they ever get started. It's not true that you're just a man. If you're born again, there's divine nature inside you. Not a mere man. Not like somebody that doesn't know the Lord. You've been born again. New creation. Got the Holy Spirit inside you. The divine nature is in you. The mind of Christ is given you. Is it true, friends? He said, Verse 5, beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now, back up in verse 1, he called that faith precious. And we believe in faith around here. It's on the front of the building. But he said there's some things you need to add to your precious faith. It is precious. But there's other things. You know, you need to know things other than just faith. You need to know about virtue. That word means excellence. Add to your faith virtue or excellence. Add to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity or love. Seven things. And if these seven things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I like this. Do you like this? I mean if we're interested in bearing fruit. And being fruitful. We have found the treasure. Because he told us specifically. You add these seven things to your faith. And they will make you. So that you are not barren or unfruitful. Well that means you are fruitful. Anybody interested in this? This is how we're going to be fruitful and be more fruitful by these seven things he mentioned here. So we've been studying them. Keep reading verse 9. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things that he just mentioned, you shall what? Oh my. If you do these things... And add these things to you, you will be fruitful and you will never fall. Man, we ought to camp out 
shouldn't we camp out on this until we are assured that these seven things are in us and working and we're pursuing them? What are they? We've already gone over several of them. What's the first one? Virtue, or that word means excellence. It means superior, surpassing. Now, this having this in us will make us fruitful and more fruitful. The opposite of it would make us barren and unfruitful. What's the opposite of excellence? Slackness, sloppiness, half effort, good enough, whatever. You know, that kind of attitude will make you unfruitful. But this excellence working in, what is excellence? Excellence is the top, the best. Do it the very best you know how, and then believe God to go beyond that. That kind of thing working in you, you can see it. That'll make you fruitful. That'll enable you to produce beyond where you've ever been before. But if you just lackadaisical, apathetic attitude, well, you know, what do I have to do? What's the minimum? No, I don't want to do any more than I have to. What's the cheapest? What's the least? You know, that's a, every time I have the privilege of being around people of God that I know uh, have been used of God, I ask the Lord, open my eyes, help me to see what you've been able to use in them. Because, you know, when people stand out among millions in God being able to use you want to see what he sees. What does he like about it? What? And um, Phyllis and I have had the privilege of fellowshipping with a number, in my opinion, of wonderful people of God. And uh, the Copelands, who will be here recently, are such people. And uh, one of the things that have stood out to me about him and about them is that it can't be too much to spend on the kingdom of God. He and she value the kingdom of God. And if it takes a hundred billion, well, so be it. It's none of this penny pinching and, well, we don't want to, you know, is this too much? Or no, it can't be too much for the kingdom of God. And that's because you love God. And there's nothing more precious in your eyes than His things. And you're willing to do whatever it takes. Stay up all night, spend everything you got, you know, by half the country. Just, if you hadn't got it, believe God to invent it. I mean, I mean, the very, very best top. What is that? That's excellence. That's the excellent spirit. And that will cause you to reach down and to reach out and to believe God even though you don't see it. And it will cause God to meet you and do miracles. And more will be produced than you ever imagined possible. Fruitfulness. Excellence. Can you see that? What's the next thing? Knowledge. And actually the word here is the word for seeking knowledge. The opposite of that would be what? Satisfied with being ignorant. <laughs> you think, oh, I know enough. That's okay. You want to go to the conference? You want to get that set of CDs? You want to study? You want to get, uh, I don't know. I'm making it okay. That'll make you barren. That'll keep you from being fruitful. You got to be hungry. 
And you've got to wake up every day thankful for what you know, but realizing it's a drop in the bucket compared to what you need to find out. And you need to be on it today again, saying, Lord, show me what I need to see. Uh, let me learn some wonderful things about you again today, right? Is your life different and better today than it was five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago? Why? Because God has revealed some things to you about himself. You know some things. Wonder if you could find out as much again as you've already found out. Would it change your life and take you to a whole other level? You know, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness are the ones that will be filled. Seek and you shall find. So you got to get up every morning saying, Lord, I'm looking for it. I want more. I'm hungry for your wisdom. I want to understand you. I want to know. Teach me something today. Help me get some, learn some more about you today. If you lose that hunger, you're going to quit being fruitful. You're going to become, you know, barren. So uh, that's a key. What's the next one? Temperance. Temperance is being strong and masterful, self-controlled. If you don't control your desires and your physical appetites and these kind of things, it'll cause you to be barren. It'll cause you to lose your place and your opportunities. you got to be in control of yourself. Patience means perseverance. You can't be a quitter. If you're going to produce a lot of fruit, you got to stay after it. Week after week, month after month, whatever it takes. And it brings us to our next one here. What will make you more fruitful? Godliness. Godliness. Actually, I, I think that ought to be capitalized. Godliness. What does it mean, godliness? Being like God. Like Him. You see numerous places in the scripture, godly ungodly what is ungodly void of God without God and therefore resulting in being unlike God not like him what is godly being like him now a big lie that's been sold to believers through the centuries whether it was taught specifically or whether it was implied is that God is way up here and he's awesome. He's perfect and pure and amazing and glorious and holy. And you are way down here and you are not. You are lowly and dirty and ignorant and dumb and weak and failing and he is all this and you are none of that. And the implication is that you could never be even remotely like him in this life. This is a lie. I said, this is a lie. This is untrue. You are called to be like him. You are made in his likeness, in his image. You have the divine nature in you. This is one of the biggest, how can I say it? Uh, Biggest torments to the devil. And one of the biggest things he does not want you to know, or me to know. He does not want you to know who you are and what you are. Because if you ever find out (laughs) who you are and what you are, you will stop letting him run over you. And you will rise up and you'll begin to talk like Jesus. 
and act like him and do things that he did and amazing things will happen. Fruit will be manifested. So he works overtime. Lying and deceiving and uh, he particularly likes to use people's past and mistakes and condemnation to remind them of and hold over their head that, you know, you're look at this. You're going to say you're like him? Listen, you're either washed or you're not. You're either clean or you're not. You're either forgiven or you're not. God either sees that sin or he doesn't see it. And if you're clean and forgiven and he doesn't see it, then you are like the master. He's seeing the righteousness of God in you by your faith in Jesus. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Oh, thank God for the blood. Go to 1 John, please. The third chapter. 1 John and 3. This is a wonderful shouting passage of scripture right here. <laughs> Let me read it first. <laughs> 1 John 3. Verse 1, what does it say? He said, behold, what does behold mean? Look, look, notice this. Look at this. See, pay attention to this. Look. Look what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. The angels can't say that. Gabriel can't say that. Michael, and they are awesome beings. And they can't say that. But you can. (laughs) And I can. Come on, say it out loud. I am a son of God. There are male sons and female sons, but we're all sons of God. Say it again. I am. I am, I am a son of God. We don't have a fraction of an idea what that means and what that's going to mean throughout eternity. But I assure you, it's amazing. It's wonderful. It's glorious. Now keep reading. Therefore the world knows us not. They don't know who we are. Because it knew him not. They didn't know who he was when he came. How many know if if the world had had any clue who Jesus was when he came? I mean, every kingdom, every king, every person would have rolled out the red carpet and everything would have stopped. But they didn't. Instead of doing that, they crucified him. Well, they don't know who we are either. And so don't be shocked and surprised when they don't roll out the red carpet for you. (laughs) But the time's coming. (laughs) And he talks about it right here. Next verse. Verse 2. Beloved, in the sweet, by and by, (laughs) over yonder, when we all get to heaven. No, no, what? What? Now... Are we the sons of God? We're the sons of God now. When? 
When are you going to be the son of God? Now. Now. You are. Not trying to be. Not going to be someday. You are now. A son of God. Oh, this is shouting ground. You are now. Somebody said, I am. A son of God. Now. Now. Now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, how many know he's coming back? We're going to see him. And here's something that you might not have thought much about. When we see him, we shall be like him. Didn't say we'd become like him at that moment. We shall be when we see him, for we shall see him as he is. This is going to be an amazing thing to us when he comes back and we see him. We'll be going. Ah! You'll realize you're more like him, much more like him than you realized and knew. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. We need to acknowledge what we are, who we are, what's in us, and we need to walk like it and act like it. If we do, we will be godly, godlike, like him. And that will make us fruitful beyond anything we've imagined. If we buy into this thing that I'm only a poor, weak Human, I'm only a man, I'm only this, only. You will not produce fruit. You will live a vain, empty life. Weak, powerless, fruitless life. But you are a son of God. I said you are a son of God. Keep reading. He said, and every man that has this hope in him does what? Purifies himself. Even as he is pure. When you see this, it draws on you to not yield to the flesh, but yield to the Holy Spirit in you. And to not yield to uncleanness and things that are wrong and defiling, but you realize that's not who I am. That's not what I am. I'm this. And you yield to the purity that's in you. To the light and life and holiness that's in you. You yield to the power that's in you. Keep reading. He said, little children, let no man deceive you. He that does righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. You see a whole lot of even as he, don't you? He that commits sin is of the devil. Other translations say practices sin. For the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever is born of God does not commit sin. Doesn't mean you can't make a mistake. But you don't live like a sinner. You don't live a lifestyle of sin. For why? For why don't you? Because his seed remains in him and he can't live the life of a sinner because he's what? 
He's born of God. And in this the children of God are manifested. And the children of the devil. Whoever does not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loves not his brother. If you're born of the devil. You're going to act like the devil. If you're born of God. You shouldn't be acting like the devil. You should be acting like him. I've had people say and write ugly grams to me and just say with disdain and say well, you're just trying to act like Jesus <laughs> I said I thought that was the idea <laughs> who do you who do you recommend I act like you know anybody better <laughs> well you're not Jesus I already knew that <laughs> but did you know that you are supposed to walk like him And act like you are to aspire, not claiming that we have arrived today at total Christ-like perfection, but like Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind. Get it under the blood, get clean, and reaching toward those things that are before, toward the mark, toward the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is that high calling? Being just like Him. Woo! And the more you are, the more fruit you're going to bear. Nobody more fruitful than Jesus. Nobody more godly than Jesus. Hallelujah. Whew. You could get stirred up on this, couldn't you? <laughs> this is so big. Go with me. Over to uh, Ephesians, please. The fourth chapter. Ephesians 4. You know you're more in the spirit right now than you think you are. When you forget about other stuff. And all that you're mindful of is God and what he's saying to you. You get much more in the spirit than you think you are. I'll tell you how you can ascertain that. Have you ever been in a service where the anointing was strong or you reading your Bible or you praying and you became aware of God and, and something so clear to you and so plain to you and a thought maybe crossed your mind, you, you might want to write that down. And you thought, oh man, this is so real to me. I'll never forget this. And then three or four hours later, couldn't remember what it was. You know why? Because you were more in the spirit at that time. See, being in the spirit doesn't mean you're in a trance necessarily or that you're unaware of physical things. It just means instead of being aware of the mental and the natural, you're focused and aware of the spirit and you're encompassed in him. And that's why when he prompts you to write it down, go ahead and write it down. (laughs) Because you get back in the flesh and it gets away from you. Ephesians 4. The last few verses of Ephesians 4. He said, verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, these things are ungodly, aren't they? Then he says in verse 32, be ye kind one to another. Is that God-like? Tender-hearted, is that God-like? Forgiving one another even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you even as God. Can you do 
something even as God. He told us to. For sure he wouldn't tell us to do something we couldn't do. Can you do something even as God? Then you can do things like God. Now you watch how stirred up religious minded people will get. When they hear preachers like me say things like that. Like God. Who do you think you are? Well I know who I am. You sound like you don't. Ain't a matter of me bragging on me or trying to say anything about me. It's the glorious reality of what Jesus has done for us. We didn't do it. Can't take any credit for it. He did it. But oh, what he did. I said, oh, what he did. What he did to as many as believed on him. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Oh. Do you believe on him? Then he empowered you. And he can do it. To become. A son of God. You did. He did. You are. Somebody say I am. Right now. A son of God. That means you got the divine nature. In you. You're not like you were before you were born again. Oh, you got the same face. You got the same body. Your mind still needs to be renewed. But your spirit's not the same. Not the same at all. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are a new creation. And that new creation is a son of God. (laughs) Woo! And because you are a son of God, son of God, then God-like qualities are in you because you're born of God. And it should be very natural for you to do God-like things and think God-like thoughts and say God-like words and bear God-like fruit. Hold your place there. Go back a few pages to Galatians. Friend, there's a great revelation here and a great freedom if you'll receive it. You will see some of the most hateful reactions and responses from preachers, from church-going people. When you begin to talk about these things, I remember we were uh, going up one of the first times Brother Hagen took Phyllis and myself on a meeting with them and allowed me to speak in the conferences up in uh, Washington State. And uh, we got there to the service. There are people marching outside with signs, just vehement, full of venom. And the sign says, you are not God. And they were just screaming and they were just beside themselves. And I never heard Brother Hagin say he was God. (laughs) We got to know him pretty good and I'm pretty sure he knew he was not God. But that didn't matter to them. They were just beside themselves. They worked into a frenzy. Marching and holding their signs. And yelling and hollering and screaming at us. You're not God. You want to say I know. <laughs> but that's not what they're mad about. How many understand one of the biggest things. That infuriated. The Jewish leaders in Jesus time. Of the synagogue was what. You said you were the son of God. 
Wasn't that what infuriates? You know why that fury is there? Because of the one who's inspiring the fury. The devil. He can't stand it. It's what he wants to be. And he can never be it. And you are it. And I am it. Oh. Glory to God. He can't stand it when you stand up and you know what you're saying and you say, I am a son of God. Oh, and his worst nightmare is if we all found out what we are and who we are and started acting like it. And his nightmare is coming to pass in the earth. It is. It's happening on him. His fear is coming on him. Glory to God. Somebody say, I am a son of God. (laughs) And tough if the devil don't like it. And if people are going to listen to him and let him influence them, they're going to rage and be mad. No, they don't even know what they're mad about. They ought to believe the Bible and join us. People just get furious if you say something. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I think, whoa. (laughs) Who does he think he is? That's exactly what they said about Jesus. Who does he think he is? Standing up there saying he's anointed. Standing up there saying that he's doing and saying what the Father tells him to say. And he knows the Father personally. He's the son of God. Who does he think he is? He's not thinking. He knows who he is. <laughs> and if you'll believe the Bible, you can know who you are. And it's not because of what we've done. It's because of what he's done. But having done what he's done, we need to be what he's made us to be. And we need to walk like what he's made us to be. Do you believe it friends? And that is godly. Not ungodly. Godly. In Galatians. This uh, fifth chapter. Man the Lord's helping us today isn't he? Glory to God. I'm glad I came. <laughs> Verse 16. He said. Walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. As we read this, you'll see he's going to talk about flesh fruit, which is ungodly fruit, and spirit fruit, which is godly, godlike fruit. The flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, we talked about that at length in the beginning of this series, uh, one of the big keys to being more fruitful is being led by the Spirit. Having the wisdom of God direct you. The Spirit of God is going to enlighten us so that we realize this is not important. This is important. Don't do it that way. Do it this way. Don't do that today. Wait and you can do this and it will be more beneficial. The wisdom of God and being in the Spirit-led life is a huge part of being more fruitful, more efficient, productive. 
avoiding the cost and, and loss. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery. How many understand Jesus would never steal your wife? Would he? No matter how tempted he might ever be, he wouldn't do that to you. That's ungodly. Fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, everybody say ungodly. ungodly. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, say it again, ungodly. That's all ungodly. Envyings, murders, the Lord would never do that to you. Drunkenness, reveling, such like, of which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That is all unlike God. And the world's full of it. Because the world is ungodly. But here we see the next verse says what? But the fruit, that's what we're interested in. Right? Fruit and more of it. The fruit of the Spirit is love. God is love. Do you have the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost? See, that's a big part of that divine nature. You didn't get that till you were born again. And that makes you like Him. That's in Him. You already know more about Him than you may think you do. Have you ever experienced the love of God? That's Him. That's who He is. That's what He is. And it's in you. And it's possible for you to be like that. You can yield even though your flesh might be tempted to get angry or to to be vengeful or this or that. You got the love of God inside you. You can choose to be kind. No matter how you're feeling. You can choose to yield to that and that would be godly instead of ungodly. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Let me back up just a minute. Uh, These are qualities of God. They're qualities of His Spirit. They are what makes Him, Him. But they're in us. This is answering the question, what is God really like? To be God-like, you'd have to know what He is. What He's like. What is He really like? Let me read you just a few verses and then we'll finish up with this. God is holy. Everybody say holy. Holy. Without taking you to all the scriptures, you know they're there. Study them at yourself, it'll help you. But he's holy. And that word holy means pure and clean. Devoid of all that is unclean and defiling and, and filthy and perverted or distorted. How many know God is just all clean, all pure? And you're his child. And that's in you. And that's why he said, the one that knows this and is looking forward to seeing the master, knowing when you see him, you're going to be like him. He that has that hope in him, what does he do? He purifies himself. Because he's looking at the master going, that's my father. That's my brother. That's what's in me. I got to be like that. Instead of just throwing up your hands and go, oh, I'm just a poor, weak, miserable human being. I'm nothing like God. And don't even try. No, that purity is in us. All we got to do is yield to it. 
and not yield to the stuff that would defile us. That's a little weak, guys. <laughs> Do we believe it or not? <laughs> Can you walk like he walked? It's not my idea. Where is it? First John 2, 6, I believe. It says, He that says he abides in him also ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Did Jesus walk holy? Did he walk pure? Yes. Can you? Yes. See, it's easier to believe you can't. It's easier to believe you can't help it. That's a lie. It's easier to believe you can't than to believe the truth that you just don't. <laughs> Y'all with me or not? I said it's easier to believe you can't. You're not able to. That's convenient. Isn't it? Oh, I'd like to. If I only could. But I, you know, we just human beings. I'm just a man. That's more convenient, easier to believe than to believe the truth that you got the power within you to do it. If you would. But you just choose not to. Which is the truth. (laughs) That's why it is so popular all over the world. What I call no fault religion. And why some people don't like churches like this. They like to come and people tell them. Oh honey. It's not your fault. No matter what happened. It's not your fault. No matter what didn't happen. It's not your fault. God's ways are mysterious. And you just never know. And honey, you I know you can't help it. You just try to trust in Jesus and maybe you'll make it in. Some way, somehow. That's not the truth. You're not just a poor, weak human being. That's talking about an unsaved man. Unsaved woman. You've been born again. You got something in you. You got somebody in you. You're something different. You can live different. You can be different. You're supposed to. We're called to. Somebody say glory to God. Say I believe it. The Lord is holy. He's holy. Somebody say holy. And didn't he say be ye holy? Didn't he say you be holy? For I am holy. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know what else the Lord is? He's true. He's honest. What's it impossible for God to do? He cannot lie. That would be totally contrary to his very fabric of his being. His nature. Not just just that he chooses not to. He can't. He'd cease to be who he is. How many understand Jesus would never deceive you? Never. There are no circumstances. There is no situation that he would lie to you to protect you or deceive you for your own good. Cannot happen. So what about you? Can you be a person that is absolutely honest? Would never, if it cost you everything, you would not tell a lie. If you're going to be like the Lord, you got to be like this. What if it costs me my job? Then it will. And the Lord will give me a better one. What if it costs me this friendship or this relationship? Well, you got lying is not an option. The Lord never told you in this set of circumstances, if you need to, to save your hide, you can tell a lie. (laughs) 
There is no such thing as a little white lie. That's a despicable term. No. God is pure and he is truth. And that's one of the things that gives you and I such comfort and such anchor to our soul that we know we can trust him. And if he said it, it is absolutely the truth and you never even have to think about it. Whether it's true or not. If he said it, it's true. Can you be like that? Would that make you more fruitful? Yes. Somebody say honest. Somebody say true. Let's begin to go over this list a little more. In, uh, in Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Love. I believe that's one of the big things that makes heaven heaven. You know there's. We, you don't need a sun there. The lamb is the light. Amen. What is the atmosphere? I believe it's love itself. <laughs> it's a big part of what makes heaven heaven. You ever breathed love? Love is God. God is love. Love's in you. Shed abroad in your heart. Can you be like that? What's the next one? Joy. No depression. (laughs) No depression. How many understand? To be depressed is to be ungodly. Have you heard that phrase recently? If you're depressed, you're being ungodly. Because God doesn't get depressed. (laughs) Does he? Can you picture Jesus down in the dumps? Having a bad day. Peter said, Master, what's wrong? I'm just a little down today. (laughs) You know, I think all these Pharisees are getting to me, man. I just, it's a, it's a heavy load, man. Y'all pray for me. But people say, yeah, but Brother Keith, that's Jesus. Yeah, and he did it as a man. With no unfair advantage over you or I. If he didn't, how could we believe it when he said, if you believe on me, the works I do, you will do also, and greater works than these. How, if he did it as God, I can't believe that. Because I'm not God. How can I do that if he did it as God? But if he did it as a man. And he would anoint me with the same spirit that he was anointed with. I can see the glorious possibility. Right? Well, he didn't, he didn't yield to depression. No matter what. He just didn't do it. Joy. Did you know that God is funny? Did you know it? This is a real thing to open you up to him because years of, of error teaching through the church, you know, you know, some guy, some theologian saw a picture uh, that somebody painted of Jesus that wasn't even born again. And all they saw is man of sorrows. And, and their whole concept is that God is basically angry and sad. He's sitting on the throne. And he's fed up with this world. And he's basically mad and just ready to blow the whole thing. <laughs> right? And Jesus is too. Jesus goes, I'm mad too, Father. I'm <laughs> sad and mad. And people don't have a concept that God is glad. 
And God is a joyful God. You know he's not a weak God. Well, what's the what's your strength? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Depression makes you weak. It takes it out of you. Joy puts it into you. Can you say glory to God? I'm telling you, God is funny. He's funny. He'll tell you things that will make you laugh. Make you laugh half a day. And a lot of times it's what you need. You need to laugh. You need to, you need to quit being so serious about yourself. <laughs> Forget about the stuff. I know one day years ago, this was some nearly 30 years ago, I was praying and I was so sincere and I was so earnest and oh man, I was by myself. And the Lord finally ran out of gas, you know, got tired and got quiet. And sometimes that has to happen before the Lord can talk to you. <laughs> and I'm laying there trying to recharge my battery. I'm going to pray some more. And, and, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, I don't mean I heard an audible voice now, but inside me, like he'll speak to every Christian if you'll listen. Right. He said, son, if you'll just forget about yourself, most of your problems will fade away. <laughs> <laughs> I lay there and I thought, <laughs> reckon that's so? Well, of course it's so. I mean, he said it. And I begin to think, well, let's, what, what, you're upset about this? Yeah, but that's about you. And I'm, I'm bothered about that? Yeah, but that's because it affects you. And, and I thought, it's true. If I just forget about myself, man, I'd be happy immediately. <laughs> The joy of the Lord, being like God, is being joyful. Being depressed and down is being ungodly. Would we bear more fruit if we're full of joy all the time? Full of love all the time. That's being like God, isn't it? What's next? Peace. So being worried and anxious and fearful is ungodly. Because being like God is being full of peace. The peace that passes understanding. What else? Long suffering. That's a, the opposite of being short suffering. <laughs> what short suffering is? Up, that's it. One, two, three, you're out. Go, I'm done. I can't put up with this anymore. <laughs> that's being ungodly. That's being devilish. The devil has no patience. You don't want to be like him. Hmm? God, that's one of the most amazing things about God is his patience and long suffering. I'm telling you, he'll say something. And sure enough, 10,000 years later, it'll happen. <laughs> and, you know, he'll put up with stuff that, I mean, your patience would have been gone the first three days. And 300 years later, he's like, something's got to change with that. <laughs> His patience is just mind-boggling and amazing. And he's your father. And that nature is in you. And you can be like that if you yield to it. What else? What else? Gentleness. What's the opposite of gentleness? Being harsh. Hard. No. 
I've, I've seen preachers. I, I've been traveling with preachers before. And they just demanding and, and pushy and, and, and this and that. And, and they, I guess they saw I, it didn't bless me. And they said, look, looked at me and said, that's just my prophetic anointing. I'm sorry. I, I started to say, it's your flesh. F-L-E-S-H. Flesh. God, don't put that off on God. Because to be God-like is to be long-suffering. Full of peace, gentle, doesn't make you weak. Actually, it takes more strength to be like this, doesn't it? What else? What else? What else? Goodness. That's as opposed to badness. Evil. God is good. And what else? Faith. He's a faith God every morning and every night. Can you be a faith person? No matter what people say, you look at the positive side. When all this happened, well, glory to God, we'll overcome it. Well, this happened too. Well, let's be a bigger victory. (laughs) But then there were four, five, and six. Oh, the devil don't know what he did. He messed up this time. (laughs) Right? You just, you just, people cannot deter you. They cannot make you hopeless. Nothing. You can be down on the uh, uh, ring floor, tangled up in the ropes, nose bloody, pummeled, tied up. And you smile through your blood and go, I'm winning. <laughs> you watch, I'm winning this. I'm winning it. A man or woman like that, you cannot defeat. You can't defeat them. Isn't it true? Faith is the victory that overcomes the whole world. What else? Meekness. The Lord is not haughty. He's not proud. Pride is a word and a concept you want to get out of you. And temperance, self-control. Is God self-controlled? Oh, you better believe it. Whew. If he was a fraction, the way a lot of people are, we'd be on our 1099th planet by now. I mean, because he'd just get mad and go off and go, oh, ooh, wow, sorry. <laughs> hey, guys, go out to make a new planet. <laughs> I didn't mean to go that far. <laughs> If him being so powerful and great can control himself, why can't you control your little self? Well, you can. You can. You can control your mouth. You can control your temper. You can control your hands. Are you listening to me, friends? Don't you come tell us you can't keep from beating your wife up, beating your kids. Don't don't tell us that. That's a lie. You like to take some of these guys that can't help from beating their little wife up and put them uh, with a you know 280 pound linebacker and get mad with him see if they can control themselves from slapping him. <laughs> People do what they can get away with. Did you hear me now? Can you control yourself? Can you control your desires, your feelings, your mouth, your words, your hands? What you do, yes you can, yes you can. And if you don't do it, it'll make you barren, it'll ruin your life. But if you do it, then glory to God, it'll make you more fruitful than you've ever imagined that you would be. Against these, there is no law. Go with me to Psalm 1, I think I'm closing. But I might get excited again and go off again. I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> What's going to make us fruitful? Being godly. Being like him. Is it possible for us to be like him? Yeah, we are already like him. We're made like him. And his nature is in us. Same nature that's in the vine is in the branch. 
And so godly fruit can be produced on us, through us, in our life. Psalm 1 and verse 1. What does it say? What? Blessed is the man that does what? Walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Ungodly. Friend, there's the world has set as the standard ungodliness, godlessness, and tried to make us feel like we are the weird ones. We're the strange ones, and we need to keep our uh, God ideas and stuff to ourselves because that's a fringe deal, and the world standard, the way everybody, reasonably intelligent, educated people think and act, is ungodly. Well, they're wrong. I said they're wrong. They need to be godly. They need to become like him and think and do things like him. Don't let the counsel of the ungodly sway you and talk you out of what you know to be right. Don't do it. Because that man wouldn't be blessed. Who's going to be blessed? The man or the woman that will not allow the ungodly to counsel them away from God. Right? Talk them into doing things that's ungodly ways and leaving God out and taking God out. No, we won't do that. Nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law and his word does he meditate day and night. Well, that's godly. You're hearing God's ideas, God's words, God's ways, God's things. When you wake up and when you go to bed, it's God in the morning, God in the afternoon, God when the sun goes down. Right? Because you want to know how he thinks about everything, how he sees everything, what's his values, what's his priorities. Why? Because that's your nature. Your nature's crying out for that. That's what's already in you. What's in you needs to become strong and dominate your thinking and your whole person and come out of you. So that you think, you act, you talk, you respond like him. How'd you come to find out how he would respond and think and act? Here, this word that you're meditating in night and day. What's going to happen? Verse 3. Verse 3. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell me what's going to happen to him. It's what we've been talking about all these weeks. What's going to happen to him? The godly man and woman. He'll be like a tree. Singers, come on. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. How many of you ain't no better place for a tree to be planted than by a huge, unchanging supply of water? That means you're not just dependent on the rain. You're not dependent on the seasonal and cyclical changes. Because this river's a flowing. It just keeps on flowing. And your roots can reach down in there. And actually you can tip a little root in the river flow. So you're not just having to extract some moisture out of the ground. You got a root in the river. Come on, can you see this, friend? You you got roots in the river, in the actual flow of the river. Does this sound like vine and branch? Yes, 
to you. <laughs> His leaves shall not wither. Now, let me back up. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. That does what? It's fruitfulness. He brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither. I, even if they're having drought in other parts of the country. Hmm? His leaf didn't say he, he wouldn't be able to bear as much fruit. His leaf won't even wither. Why? Because he's not trying to suck moisture out of a dry ground. He's got a root in the river. Come on, can you see this? <laughs> and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Glory to God. Glory to God. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Hallelujah. Let's sing, I shall not be moved. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.